joined by uh, Carson Hunt. I'm very excited about this podcast today. Uh, he's the co-founder and CEO of Upero. Did I say that right, Carson? You sure did. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you? Doing good, doing good. I appreciate the uh, the time. Absolutely. We want to kind of dive right in, uh, Carson, so people can get to know you, who you are. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. You know, where did you grow up? What did you want to do or be when you were seven? Cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll try and keep it short and sweet. Um, but grew up in Miami, um, suburbs of Miami. Um, was kind of the, uh, I mean, I was, I was average, nothing, nothing too special. Um, ended up coming up here um, to Orlando to go to UCF. Um, I was really interested even at a, at a young age in tech. Um, I always thought I wanted to be a, a software engineer. Um, took some classes in high school, really loved it. Um, even got here to UCF um, and started off as a computer engineer. I was like, yes, I found it. This is great while well, I was taking the <laughs> early classes. Um, and then things really, I was like, oh crap, this is, uh, this is gonna get tough. Um, so I think that's when I, I really took a step back and said, do I really love the tech um, and, and actually the, doing the actual development or do I just love the idea of tech and the development of tech? Um, so I, I found that my passion was more so on the macro level and, and seeing tech develop rather than doing it myself because there's, mm-hmm. I noticed there's a lot, a lot of people that are, uh, are better at it than I was. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I like to think that I had the, the self-awareness to realize that, but um, I eventually switched to a, a business major um, and really wanted to keep that tech side of things though. Um, my big thing is I did not want to, you know, okay, switch from computer engineering, completely forget about it. Um, I, my passion is really at that intersection between engineering and business um, because I really think there's uh, a lot of the engineers don't understand the business language and the mm-hmm. business people don't understand the engineering language. Uh, so I think that that disconnect is what I was, I was really trying to fill. But starting off college, uh, I was fortunate enough to get a uh, co-op at Lockheed Martin here in Orlando. Um, and I think that's, that was an experience that um, really let me, you know, dive into that passion and see that intersection between business and engineering. Um, and then eventually found myself at Tesla, uh, at the end of 2019, um, all the while kind of having you pair on the background, um, which went through several pivots, but I'm, I'm sure we can get into that, uh, mm-hmm. in a few minutes. That was a great <laughs> internship that you had at Tesla. Oh yeah. It was, it was amazing. I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, I'll start at the end of my Lockheed co-op. Um, so kind of jumping in, I got to give a little bit of context here. Um, so I, I, like I said, I was an average student. Um, and, but when I started UPeril uh, in college, we weren't doing a lot of tech, but it was taking up a lot of time. Um, there was a five month span where we flew to Mexico once a month to meet with um, apparel manufacturers because we were looking to sell custom, just simple custom t-shirts um, and hoodies and that sort of thing to organizations, both inside of UCF um, and around the community. And we were always looking, okay, how can we do this better? Maybe we can get cheaper prices if we go directly to Mexico, et cetera. Um, and that took a huge toll on the GPA. It went from, <laughs> oh, you're on Dean's list to, oh, you're about to fail every class. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so, so it was definitely a, a huge shift there. Um, and I actually got 
um, I'm not sure what the, the, the term is. I was no longer eligible because of my GPA because it was a UCF Lockheed Martin, or Lockheed Martin partnership. Um, mm -hmm. And so they gave me a paper like, yeah, your GPA fell below this mark. <laughs> you, can't, uh, you can't stay there. And I, I like to think I'm really stubborn because I have that framed right up there. <laughs> and uh, so I, I found myself I was like, oh, I had this great experience at Lockheed, but now, like, now what? Um, and I think that's what really got me on LinkedIn um, and really got me connecting with people. Um, so I eventually, literally 300 people at Tesla, I was reaching out to them at LinkedIn, somewhere, somewhere in the space that I wanted to go into, somewhere in completely different spaces. Um, just asking like, hey, like, what does Tesla look for? What are, what are some of the, uh, the things that they look for in candidates or, or interns? Um, and I really stumbled upon, or it seemed like it was a theme around uh, initiative. And so I, I picked up some side projects, some side engineering projects um, to, again, keep that foundational engineering knowledge um, and, and continue to learn things that I didn't feel like I was learning in the classroom. Granted, most of it was my fault because I wasn't paying attention in the classroom. Um, <laughs> or you were traveling too much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I, yeah, no, a lot of it was definitely... I use that as an excuse, but I, I certainly wasn't putting in the, uh, the, the effort on the, the homeworks and stuff. But I like to think that I was, I was prioritizing learning rather than just academics in general, because I was mm -hmm. learning so much going to Mexico and meeting with different suppliers, et cetera. But um, you yeah, usually so learn I, I really... on the field anyway, instead of, you know, in the classroom, which, you know, a lot of professions, I mean, that's what happens. A lot of times yeah, secondary yeah. education gets put to the side, but it needs to be pushed to the side because you learn more anyway in the field. Exactly. And, and I was coming to that realization um, while I was kind of on that probational period at Lockheed of like, okay, I may not have this in six months, but am I willing to give this up in order to continue to learn at the pace that I'm learning? Because um, I, I, I learned so much more about supply chain and international business um, and logistics going to and actually participating in those activities than I would have in taking a intro to international business class. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I made, that's, I think when I made that shift. Um, and like I said, I took on some engineering projects, um, eventually got some, uh, some recommendations internally at Tesla. Um, and I, I definitely uh, would put my money that I had the lowest GPA there. Um, but that, that's something I, uh, I take a little pride in. Um, but yeah, the, the actual experience there was amazing. I like I said, I would not trade it for the world. It, it was super um, chaotic, but in a great way. I love that really fast-paced environment. Um, and just a huge uh, shift from the way Lockheed operates and the way Tesla was operating. It's almost like a big business versus startup. Um, and, and that's what really kind of push me even further into uh, the, the startup bug and, and growing UPearl. So tell us, because, uh, you know, Denzel Washington said the same thing. If you listen to his, his um, podcast and shows, he's like, he said he has the lowest GPA as well in school. And a lot of people, even entrepreneurs, you know, they, they didn't even graduate high school, but yet they kept going. You know, they, they had a calling to be an entrepreneur or, you know, whatever they want it to be. So talk to our listeners about how they should never give up, because I, I love how you have that framed over there, by the way. <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had a gentleman on the show. He's, a, he's actually a good friend of our now, uh, Spencer. He was working corporate America. He left, went back and got the job and left again just so he could. <laughs> 
that, that, that's my same level of, of pettiness. It, it, it definitely takes a, a level to, to get that, to spend the $50 or whatever it is to get it framed. Yes. So talk but, to listeners how they should, you know, be able to, you know, keep pushing on. Yeah. Um, I think for me, in, in terms of like, so I think first, that first push is actually starting. Um, so whether it's starting a business, starting a side project, whatever it is, I think that first speed speed bump is the initiation process. Um, and I think a lot of people are just kind of, oh, let me finish school. Um, let me, you know, let me finish X, Y, Z before I start it. Um, and I think getting past that mindset and just saying, let me just start it now. It's not going to end up the way that I want it to, or there's going to be a pivot down the line. But the important part is just getting that process started so that you can learn more about for me at least, for, learn more about the logistics, learn more about the supply chain. Um, and there was probably more mistakes than, than good decisions in that process. Um, but I think taking that first step um, and taking that initiative that I, I try to keep as a theme um, was, was a really big thing for me. And I think once you can do that, pushing through some of the other obstacles that come along the way um, seem a little bit easier. Now, take us back to the birth of uh, UPERL. You're at UCF. What is happening? What brought you to uh, uh, commencing and, and starting uh, UPERL? Funny story. Um, so I was at UCF. Um, what would eventually be the co-founder of, uh, of UPERL, George, um, is at Indiana University. Um, and we had known each other from, from high school. And I see, oh, he's selling to his fraternity up there. He's selling t-shirts. Um, he's really good with graphics. I'm horrible, that kind of stuff. But he was making a, a good bit of money with it. And I gave him a call. I was like, look, um, let's either partner up or I'm going to steal your idea and do it with everybody in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so, so luckily for, for both of us, we ended up partnering up. Um, and he was handling a lot of the um, visual and I would say the art side of it. Um, and I was handling a lot of the operational side of things and we're able to continue selling to, uh, to Greek houses on campus, to local businesses. Um, we even eventually sold to some fortune 500 companies like LinkedIn, uh, eventually Lockheed Martin, a small order for Tesla. Um, so we, we kind of just like started from the ground, started with the, the local community and, and said, okay, how can we continue to grow this? Um, what we're doing now is, is in the same industry, but a, a, a huge shift. Um, and, and so I can, I can definitely uh, get into that if you guys are, uh, if you think that'd be interesting. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Cool. So um, going back while at Lockheed, um, I'm, I'm that obnoxious person that try to talk with everyone and, and network, uh, which I think is good long-term. You're but looking at the same be... guy back at you. <laughs> good. Uh, it can definitely, I can see how it can be like, Oh my God, this kid shut up. Um, but I think at least for me, it's, it's been a huge benefit. I've met so many mentors. Um, but when I was at Lockheed, I realized like, this is a huge multi-billion dollar company and they're ordering t-shirts from the Orlando office is ordering t-shirts from a random Orlando shop. The Georgia office is ordering t-shirts from a random Georgia shop. Um, and they have dozens, if not maybe a hundred or, or a couple hundred um locations whether it's Lockheed or an affiliate and I saw that huge uh disconnect and, and I was working in process improvement and I said we're preaching process improvement 
but we don't have the processes in place for something as, as simple as custom merchandise. Um, and I saw the same thing for, for Tesla. So we said, okay, we're selling merchandise right now. I mean, this, this is a, what I would consider a successful, but local business. Um, how can we take it one step further? Um, and so we, we met with some of the, the leaders of the industry, um, and said, Hey, look, this is what we're doing now. This is some of the things that we're brainstorming to, to improve on. Um, and we eventually went from a t-shirt company that uses tech to grow to a technology company that helps others use, tech, uh, use our tech um, to grow their business. Wow. So we, we, we made that big shift. That internal technology that we were building for ourselves is what we eventually um, licensed out to some of the other shops that were doing much larger sales than we were. Um, but we saw that, that white space um, and, and, and that opportunity on the technology standpoint to really uh, modernize the industry um, rather than trying to do it ourselves as a manufacturer. Um, wow. So that, that was kind of the, the mindset in, in how that shift uh, came about. That's fantastic. So, uh, uh, and you said earlier, you know, I may not be the one doing all the developing, but I can see how other people can see this and, and make it useful. And that's where your expertise comes in. You have, you're able to to look at it from a different standpoint because most it's business people, it's my baby. I don't want to let go of my baby. I'm holding on to my baby. Uh, and that's not you. So uh, Carson, tell us about as you're building new peril, as you're going through these pivots and shifts, what has been the uh, most challenging experience for you and your partner? And how have you guys overcome that? Um, I would say there, there, there's, a bunch that are tied for first, uh, but to try and uh, <laughs> to uh, to narrow it down, um, I think just there's been a lot of, and I think with most entrepreneurs, there's been a lot of sacrifices that we've both had to make. Um, for me, for example, I mean, like we talked about, academics got killed, um, but even even time, um, we we had to for for probably two years, um, we were having meetings at midnight with a uh, overseas development team um, because we had to, you know, get on their schedule. Yeah, when, when they're in the office. Um, so, I mean, just, just things like that, that definitely, I, I'm, I'm 23 and I have a, a, a couple growing hair, uh, growing uh, gray hairs. Um, <laughs> but, and, and I think things like that uh, definitely accelerated that process. But um, I think, yeah, I think time, I think GPA, um, Stress levels are certainly up there. I've probably had one too many uh, Red Bulls over the last couple <laughs> of years, but but uh, there, there's definitely a lot that are, that's uh, that's up there. My wife's got me on a no Red Bull diet because what happens as entrepreneurs, we feel that pressure, right? Because myself and my wife, we have a few businesses and we have employees, and you become responsible for them. So this causes me to ask you, what would cause you to leave? Like I said, Tesla's already uh, huge in, what, in its space. Why not see the comfort of longevity with the Tesla? What would cause you to leave that and go against every odd known to man, uh, you know, to, to build your own? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the, the former staying at, at the big company would certainly be less stressful for my parents. Uh, but... <laughs> But I think for me, and, and not to sound too, uh, too corny, um, but I would definitely have a, a like 
existential mindset um, where I know I'm here for a limited amount of time. How big of an impact can I have? And for me, I think that it kind of just naturally played out where if I'm able to build something that leads or leaves an impact when I'm gone, that's something that I think I can be proud of. Um, and I, I think starting something on my own was, was like I said, naturally what kind of came from that. Oh, I like that you hint. So you're, you're trying to leave a legacy. So yeah. when your parents see what you do, how would they describe what you do today? Um, they might still think I'm selling t-shirts. <laughs> uh, Carson, but, get a real job. <laughs> yeah, I know. Stop selling these damn t-shirts. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they know I'm, I'm in the technology space, um, but I think a lot of it, and, and we have to deal with this pain point um, in the industry, is I, I think the, the uh, older generations don't understand a lot of the things that we're doing, which is kind of been a, a pain point when it comes to selling it. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, they, they, they know I'm the, uh, I'm the go-getter of the family that, that takes risks, maybe one too many risks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's how they, they probably describe it. High risk, high reward. I love it. Oh, yeah. Now, it, 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 it's true. And think, talk about, talk to the entrepreneurs right now, Carson, that are, that are listening. Because when they think about entrepreneurship, specifically when they look at some entrepreneurs who's had some level of success, you've been able to get your time back. You've been able to allocate your time and leverage some other things. But they think that um, it's all glamour. They don't see the times when you had to eat um, grilled cheese sandwiches for, for several months. Six or, months or, or stay up to 12 a.m. They don't see when you had to stay up to 12 a.m. to talk to a manufacturer overseas. They don't see the time where while people were having dinners, you're like, no, uh, this money needs to be uh, uh, put back into the business. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to those people right now. Yeah, I, I think I think you brought up great points. I think a lot of people, I think over the last five or 10 years, entrepreneurship has been put on a pedestal of, oh, you get to go drive a nice car. You don't have, you get to work five hours a week in Hawaii while you're on your laptop. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, it's been over glamorized if that's a if that's even a term but um yeah i mean it's it's definitely not for the uh not for everybody um i mean there, there's some of the smartest people that i know are smart enough to realize that hey they want to you know they want to collect that paycheck every week every two weeks and, and live a, a happy life um and so I, I would just definitely caution people of get into something that you're very passionate about and, and let that passion drive you. Don't let the, Oh, I want to have a nice car um, and a lot of money in a nice house be the thing that's uh, that's driving you. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in once again to Evolving the Power. More ways to watch is on our YouTube channel, and that's at the Clarisius Group. That's C-L-A-I-R-C-I-U-S Group. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Now, if you're interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate, you can give us a call, 863-323-7778. Now, our office is based out of Central Florida, but we can service you wherever you're at. We sell properties from the $50,000 range on up to the million-dollar range, multi-million-dollar range. So please give us a call, 863-323-7778. It'll be one of the best calls you've ever made. Now let's get back to the show. That's terrific. And I like how you found gaps um, 
with the company. So say if a company wants to get on board with you guys, what is the process of that? What does it look like? Yeah. Um, so we're actually going to be uh, announcing a, uh, a pilot with a, a pretty interesting company um, in the coming weeks. And so I can, I can definitely talk um, firsthand on, on what some of those onboarding process, what that onboarding process looks like. Um, but essentially from a macro level, what we're doing is just saying, hey, we'll set up a e-commerce solution for your company internally. Um, so a, a, a custom merchandising storefront. And we've connected with the largest manufacturers in the US in custom merchandise. Um, so as soon as somebody places an order on your storefront internally, it's automatically being sent to these vetted high quality manufacturers that can mm -hmm. then fulfill those products for you. Um, so the onboarding process, we're, we're obviously still being an early stage startup where we're constantly trying to improve and streamline. Uh, but the onboarding process is pretty simple. Tell us what you want to sell internally and we'll connect you with the, the top notch guys that can, that can get it for you. Um, and, and just going and, and building that marketplace is, is kind of our, our goal. Cause we also sell that same technology to the manufacturers themselves and say, Hey, you're doing 10 million a year, but you've been doing it through phone calls and emails uh, COVID's here. People are not walking into your storefront. How are you going to continue to modernize and expand? Use mm -hmm. these e-commerce tools, use these management tools, um, and, and grow with technology rather than growing with, let me hire an extra 20 salespeople. So, uh, so you are essentially the, uh, for the, for your customers, uh, the soon to be hands-free handheld cars, right? it's self-driving. You sign up with, with the U-Peril, you can kind of take your hands off the wheel where you go now and do what you do best, which is serve your customers, serve your uh, client base. We'll take care of everything on the back end for you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and specifically who we're targeting right now are recruiters um, at some of these Fortune 500 companies. And so we're essentially going to them and saying, hey, your job is not to order 500 t-shirts for the incoming internship class. Your job is to bring in talent to that organization, let us handle the mundane process of ordering 500 t-shirts and 200 water bottles and tracking it throughout that process, throughout mm -hmm. the fulfillment process. You go do what you do best and we'll handle this. So that's kind of the, the, the value add that we're, we're, uh, we're providing is, is I think one of the big themes is automation and, and process improvement, um, which is definitely something I, I can uh, attribute learning about to the, the Lockheed Martin and Teslas of the world. What and are some of the items? Ultimately, the, that, that uh, uh, entrepreneur or business owner becomes more productive because they mm -hmm. don't have to spend the time, energy uh, to take care of all the back end stuff. That's terrific. What are some of the items that you offer to the businesses? Like when once they sign up with you, what are some of the things that they can expect maybe to get or to order? Yeah. So um, we, we have it kind of split up. Uh, we work with both sides of the industry. So if we're working with the print shop or the manufacturer themselves, we'll say, okay, we'll set up a, a landing page for you. We'll set up a, the ability for you to create storefronts for, for your individual clients. Um, we'll create this backend management system so that you can track those storefronts and, and use data to improve. Um, and we'll also give you some design tools. You can think of it as a, a really dumbed down Photoshop um, that will allow your customers to go in and, and bring their graphic ideas to life. Um, so again, just giving them the tools to streamline their operations and expand. Um, but then one of the mo more recent sides or recent uh, product sets that we've been offering 
on the buyer side. So working with um, the, the Facebooks of the world, the Googles of the world and saying, hey, recruiters, hey, HR specialists, um, hey, administrators, don't worry about ordering merchandise from your, uh, you know, don't worry about Googling custom t-shirts near me and trying to uh, set up a meeting and, and going back and forth with emails. Let us set up a storefront for you. Put whatever product you want, because we have a bunch of manufacturers that can make a bunch of different things and send it out to your, uh, send it out internally. The employees can go on, order what they need to order and we'll handle the rest. Uh, so again, on both sides, it's really pushing for automation and process improvement, which is something that this particular industry has not seen in, in decades. Um, because I mean, you think custom t-shirts or custom promotional items, that's a very random industry to, to get involved in. Um, and it's, it's exciting though, because of the, um, lack of modern, lack of modernizing that the industry has experienced over the last several years. Let me ask you, what do you see UPARO in the next five years, in the next 10 years? Um, I think right now, again, we're, we're launching uh, a couple pilots. So I think expanding those pilots, one of our, our, um, business goals or rollout goals is landing and expanding. So working with a recruitment team and then saying, okay, this recruitment team's having a great time. They're, they're able to save, save time, save money. Let's expand to the marketing team. Okay. The marketing team's loving it. Let's expand to the events team whenever, whenever we end up having events again. Um, so I think it's, it's just continuing to land and expand within these organizations, specifically targeting those larger ones. Um, and then offering, uh, we're also beginning to, uh, to get involved in the influencer space. Um, so influencers, whether it's on TikTok or, or Instagram or YouTube, they're always looking, especially now, they're really looking for ways to monetize their reach. Um, and merchandise is, is one of the most popular ways that they're, they're looking towards. So we kind of equate it to the gold rush of, okay, everyone's running towards the gold, which is custom merchandise, rather than you know, helping them find that gold, we're giving them the tools, we're giving them the Levi jeans that make the, uh, made a ton of money during that process. We're giving them the pickaxe, we're giving them all the tools that they need to get to that gold, which is the, the, the custom merchandising. Um, so we have a bunch of different avenues that we plan on expanding in. Um, but again, it's using, having that theme of automation and process improvement using technology um, is definitely one of the, the big things that we're pushing over the next several years. Fantastic. If there's something that you can change within a business, if there were no constraints, what would you do um, with that? Or what would you change within the business to where that maybe you can push that instead of, you know, X, Y, Z that might be going on with the business right now? Um, kind of generic, but I think I, I'm always the, uh, I'm always very impatient. I'm like, okay, this, this, this could have been done two weeks ago. Why can we, why, why is it, why is it still pending? Um, so if there's anything in, in the business that I could change, even though it's probably impossible to, um, it's just to get things done faster. So I'm not, uh, not jumping off the walls as much. Um, <laughs> but I, I have a feeling that most people would probably give that answer. Yeah. Yes. It, it, Goldrat calls them, um, in his book, he calls them the bottlenecks. How do we get rid of the bottlenecks and, and, and maximize efficiency and, and keep pushing and repeat? Uh, let me ask you this, uh, Carson. Uh, Tony Robbins has a, a test he calls the rocket chair test. Uh, 
80 years from today, you're 80 years old, sitting in your rocking chair. What do you foresee yourself or wish you would have accomplished? And looking at that before you answer, what are some of the regrets you're hoping that you don't fall into? So you're sitting there, whether your wife or your kids are having a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you drink, and, you know, rocking in the, in the rocking chair, looking back over your life the past 50, 60 years, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I love that. I may have to, to think about it for a second, but it'll probably end up being a Red Bull, not a coffee. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. If, I, if I'm 80, I'm, I'm hopefully uh, not eat, not drinking Red Bulls anymore. No, um, you don't need it. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's, that's a, a, a thought-provoking question. I think for me, again, just like generically having something that I can look back to um, rather than it being a specific thing, um, having something that is going to last longer than I am um, is, and, and what, even if it's in a very small capacity, improved the life of somebody or, or a group of people by a small percentage, um, I think is, is, my like foundational uh, drive. Um, so if, if I were able to, if I'm able to accomplish that, um, I think that that's the, the, um, the bread and butter. And I think in terms of the regret, um, kind of the, I mean, it, it's kind of contradictory, but almost not getting too caught up um, and, and missing quality time with family and, and loved ones because I am only focusing on business. Um, I, I think it's, um, I don't want to say normal, but, but common now to being able to crank that out when I'm young. Um, but when I have kids um, and, and settle down, business is still going to be a, a, a big part of my life, but I do want to make sure that it's not engulfing everything that I do. Um, and I'm, I'm not, you know, losing track of what's also important. That's fantastic. So talk about a lot of the entrepreneurs that we have on the show. They say that, you know, having a mentor is very pertinent to their success. Have you had any mentors to help you along the way, or do you just read a lot of literature to know um, how to, you know, operate your business? Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely mentors. Um, so I, I think one of the, the most prominent and first mentors um, was one of my, um, not a direct manager, but one of the, the managers at, at Lockheed Martin. Um, I think he had a similar experience um, with school wasn't wasn't the biggest fan um and he he you know got the startup bug um himself um and and so i think personally we were able to connect like i, I consider him a friend now um but he also was able to to give me um a couple reality checks that i think i needed um earlier on and and continues to to help me or, or to guide me down the path that i want to go down um, and there's, I mean, I, I can go off listing dozens of names, um, but there, I mean, I've been so blessed to have some really great people um, in my life to, to, to give some guidance. Some of them are, you know, much younger, some of them are much older. Um, and, and I think that's, that's something that um, is often overlooked is everyone's like, oh, I need a mentor that's a senior manager at XYZ big company. Um, when, I mean, there's, there's freshmen in college that have told me things that change the way that I do business. Yeah. Um, so I, I think having that open mindset when it comes to mentorship um, is, is a huge opportunity to, to not just 
get tunnel vision and okay, I don't have access to a director at this company. I don't have access to a mentor when that's, that's not always the case. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times the mentors aren't even in the field in which you're in. They, you know, they might just be in the business realm or, you know, they, they might be in another company, you know, a total different line, but at least if that mentor has valuable information to give you, then um, take heed. And I know you want to piggyback off this, Max. We talked about yeah. this before. And, we talked and, about and, this a lot. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about it is that sometimes, like, I have a massive library, massive, massive library. And sometimes those are my mentors, right? Maybe I can't get access to somebody right away, the person I'm looking to. But 99.9% .9 of the time, that person has taken the time to write an ebook. They've written an actual book. They have a podcast. They have some sort of talk. If you really want to connect with somebody, you can always connect. There's no excuse anymore. Yep. Right. So uh, if I want to listen to uh, to business, I have a plethora of business books where I say, okay, let me go pick his mind. Let me see how he was thinking about yep. that issue. I love that. And kind of learn from there. That's terrific. Uh, Carson, let me ask you this. Oh, what has been one uh, one myth about startup that uh, now that you're in the startup, you're entrenched in it, that you've been able to uh, debunk? Um, probably what we were talking about earlier of of uh, you know it's all glamour. Um, I think you look at you watch a movie and see a startup that. Oh, we started, you know, two months ago and we just got $50 million in funding from a big California <laughs> investment firm. And now we're all driving. Uh, and Ferraris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think that I think the scrappiness that is required um, is often overlooked. I think that the myth of it's all glamour um, is is publicized and falsely publicized way too much. Um, and I think the it's it's not just it's not glamour it's scrappiness and and grit that is gonna gonna be the the primary theme maybe 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 down the line it's all glamour uh, I certainly haven't haven't experienced it yet <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean that's, that's always the goal but again I mean when, whenever you're, you're when, if you're a true and you're really thinking about your business every dollar goes back to re into the business to help that business grow into scale. So if, if I make money and I go spend it, I'm just cutting myself off at the legs <laughs> anyway. Yep. Oh, and that's yeah. how a lot of businesses don't survive. They'll do that. They'll spend, they don't know how to actually save. We had yeah. a gentleman on the show. Uh, he's a good friend of ours as well. He said that, you know, when he started his company, he was getting a check of forty, fifty thousand dollars he didn't know what to do. He went and mm -hmm. bought a new truck. He went and did this. And very quickly, he was broke all over again. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really difficult. Um, in and I think out of anything that we've done so far, it's at least one of the the most proud financial decisions that we've made um, is being two college kids, and we would have a, a ten thousand dollar check come in. We're like, oh man, we can split this and and go live life. Uh, but I, I think we, to, not to, to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I, I think we were smart enough or, or responsible enough at least, um, to have that mindset of, okay, it's 10, it's a $10,000 check now. How can we put it back in the business and collect two $10,000 checks later? That's right. Um, exactly. and I think that's what a lot of people, uh, look past. 
Exactly. Uh, Carson, what question should we have asked you? And maybe we didn't know you well enough uh, to ask you that question. Ooh. Maybe it was a question you just asked because I've been thinking about it all night. <laughs> vacation. What's your favorite vacation spot? Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, Carson, how can people connect with you? Where can people connect with you? Uh, where can they get behind what you're doing there with you, Peril, and uh, get behind the movement and support? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Um, I, I don't go on Instagram. I don't go on Facebook. Um, I, LinkedIn is, is my thing. So uh, just look me up there and, and uh, shoot me a DM and I'd be happy to talk with anybody. That's okay. Fantastic. All right. Tell them your LinkedIn name so that we can put that in the, the notes as well. If you just type in Carson Hunt, uh, I'm not sure if there's even a, an at. Um, if you just type in Carson Hunt in the search bar, uh, I'm the, uh, the fat kid with the comb over hair. Uh, so <laughs> just look, look for that and uh, you'll find me. You're not going to miss him. Carson, is there any other word of wisdom? Is there something on your heart that you would want to leave? A word of advice, uh, uh, a warning or a caution? Uh, uh, please do that now. Yeah, um, I think the, the one thing that I always try and push um, when it comes to giving advice on the topic of uh, entrepreneurship and startups uh, is what I was mentioning earlier of just start it. Um, you're never ready. It's never going to work out how you want it to. But starting the business and doing that uh, and, and going through those those steps, you're going to learn so much more. Even if the business fails in six months, you're going to learn so much more um, about yourself and about how to operate a business, what to do right, or what you did right, what you did wrong. Um, but if I, if I can summarize anything, it would be just start whatever it is that you want to do. And if you have any wisdom as, at all, connect with Carson Hunt. That way you can streamline your back end where you can just go out and do what you're best at. And let you peril take care of all the everything else stuff for you while you go in and be more productive and more efficient. Carson, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be here with us today, uh, sharing with us you uh, peril's journey. And we hope to follow up with you again in the near future, just to see uh, some of the things hey, that bro. you guys have done. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the time. This was this was a blast. Yeah.